Welcome to How Not to DM. I'm your host, Derek. Thanks for joining me on my quest to interview the very best dungeon masters on this plane of existence. Here's a quick word from our sponsors. Seeds of Decay is a 5th edition adventure, player's guide, and bestiary from acclaimed fantasy artist and game designer Daryl T. Jones. Save the forest with dozens of new hero options, a new foraging and crafting system, and wondrous contraptions. There's even rules for playing with tiny characters. Seeds of Decay is a must-have supplement for your current campaign, or can be used as a standalone setting. Coming to Kickstarter January 11th, 2022. Sign up to be notified at seedsofdecay.com. Now, let's return to our show. This episode's guest is Steph, creator of the TTRPG Kids blog. Steph created the site to compile games for kids and has started a lot of other cool projects along the way. Enjoy! part-time teaching um, at a university and other than that I'm running the TTRPG kids blog as kind of my side project to keep me busy and feel like I'm having some impact on people Uh, for getting into TTRPGs I started out I played one one shot with my husband and his friends and it was just one game, but it was exciting and thrilling. And I think it was like a five hour session. I basically played a character who was Aloy from Horizon Zero Dawn, like unintentionally made that. Um, they hadn't played the game yet. And then the session ended. I'm like, when's the next one? And they're like, well, that's it. It's a one shot. And they didn't set up another one. So I'm like, okay, well, it kind of trailed off. And then a few years later, my brother introduced me to Critical Role and got me hooked on that. Yep. We started talking and we're like, why can't we just make our own game? Because everybody wants to play. We've been talking about, oh, I wish we had this character and this character and this character. So I just started homebrewing a massive campaign. (laughs) And that was how uh, that all started. And we kind of took off from there. I'm now DMing three campaigns right now. And then I'm in a one-shot group. Are they all weekly? Two are weekly. One is every other week. Yeah. So two to three games every week. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm working on, uh, we're closing out the Wednesday one soon. And I'll, I probably won't pick up another one for a little bit. I'm going to wait for a couple to close out and then start doing a bunch of one-shots or like two shots to kind of exercise a whole bunch of ideas I've been having sitting on my list. So, yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I feel like 
one shots are a great, great way to just test little yeah. things out without breaking the campaigns you've been working really mm-hmm. hard on for a long time. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So you kind of dug into your DMing experience a little bit already, but uh, are there other TTRPGs you've run, uh, you know, other versions of D&D you've run other than 5e? Kind of tell us about that mm-hmm. experience. So with my sessions that I run with adults, it's all D&D 5e. And then once I start branching into these one shots, once my big long campaigns close out, I want to start branching into a couple other systems. There's a whole bunch of indie ones out there. I'd like to try out with the group, see what kind of sticks before setting up a whole campaign with them. Inspirials is one of them. There's mm. the Animon story one and a few others that I think would click with a few people in the group really well. But then in the games that I play with my kid, he is only three years old and D&D is a little bit above him. <laughs> so I do a smattering of indie games with him and ones that I've made myself. So I, I review a game with him every other week from my list on the TTRPG Kids blog. So I've done a lot of different ones with him and he picks up the new systems pretty well. Uh, they're all rules light. So I've tried out probably 15 or so all ages or rules light TTRPGs with him. And that's been a lot of fun seeing all the different mechanics. You talked about this a little bit earlier. You said that you and your friends realized, all right, if we're going to get a game, you know, if we're going to get one going, we, I'm, we're going to have to do it ourselves. So tell me about your first experience behind the screen. What kind of adventure you ran, you know, who, who was there and how did it go? My only experience with this was that one shot and then listening to Critical Role which, mm-hmm. you know, it was a one-shot with an experienced GM, and then critical role is critical role. <laughs> so I went in with the this massive homebrew idea. I spent weeks making this giant map and populating it with all kinds of rulers and wizards and dragons and had this whole thing planned out. There's a steampunk city. There's portals to other realms, all kinds of stuff in it. And then I'm like, okay, it'll be like a four person campaign. And then, you know, another person tacks on and another person tacks on. And then I've had this massive party. So I'm like, okay, we're going to still do this. Everybody wants to play going really enthusiastically. And it went really well for a while. Yeah. And maybe getting into the how not to DM, (laughs) it did crash and burn after a little bit. So I think the campaign lasted for six to eight months, somewhere in that range. I forget exactly how long, and we'll probably get into it later, but some things happened, and it did end with the party at around level 10. I We waited a little bit, and then I started back in with a different campaign and knowing what to actually put in session zero and things. So it was definitely a good learning experience, I will say. I still had fun doing it. I think the other players had fun. And it was just, yeah, it did it did crash and burn at one point. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> oh, man. I, I think if you've been playing TGRPGs for more than six months, you've definitely been part of a crash and burn. So it's not unusual. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You were running for six players then, is that right? Uh, yeah, it was six players. And it was all family or like those family members friends so Mm. siblings cousin husband my sister's friend 
So it was like everybody kind of like knew each other or tangentially knew each other. That's good. A friendly group, at least, because six is a lot yeah. to start with. You know, yeah. I think I started with four. And at times I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't keep track of all this. But yeah. it, it turned out OK. Now's your chance to tell us about that. So the worst mistakes you've made as a DM and the lessons you've learned, you know, I'm sure this is part of it. But if you have other ones you want to tack on, please do. I'll start out with the part on like the adult games. So this was in the first campaign that I ran. There were a few things that happened. One, I, I think it really boils down to me not knowing everything that I should have put in session zero. And I almost feel like to have like the perfect session zero or at least a really good session zero, you need to have gone through your first game and made some mistakes so you know what to actually put in there. Hmm. Yeah, I had this really basic session zero, going over the rules, going over the world, some really bare bones limits on things. But for the most part, I was trying to be like the cool GM and be really accommodating of the players. One person was like, I want to play an evil character because I did random rolling and it came up with an evil one. I'm like, okay, but then everyone else in the party was good. This ended up causing a lot of conflicts later and it started to like kind of spread from character to character tension to player to player tension in some cases when things weren't quite going the way that they wanted. Mm. And I wasn't really sure how to manage it at that point because it was, you know, family members and then my sister's friend who I didn't know super well. So there's also like some family dynamics got played into that. Uh, we had another family member who came in as a guest and I think there was some tension going on between them and one of my players prior to the game that caused a kerfuffle. And there were, there were a lot of things that happened. I guess they were more social situations between the players. And as the GM, I wasn't really sure how to handle that. And I think it should have been in the session zero, but I wasn't expecting that. So that was kind of my biggest mistake or my biggest lessons learned was making sure to address in session zero how to conduct yourself from a player to player standpoint. So since then, I've made a really good session zero document that I have titled The Rules and put the big rule book from Fairly Odd Parents on the front of it <laughs> yeah. and have some like examples, Steve and Jeff do this. <laughs> This is how it should handle should have been handled. This is inappropriate. And just have it real simple and clear like that. And it takes maybe 30 minutes to go through in session zero now. And it's addressed all the problems in all those future campaigns. But that was, that was my biggest lesson learned was player-to-player mm -hmm. -player social concerns. Yeah. My group is also a lot of family members and friends. I think that's how, you know, more than half of people's tables are, or maybe were pre-pandemic anyway. And so it's it's a common theme, right? And luckily, mm -hmm. I haven't had the same issues you've had just because all of my players are good or neutral. And so there hasn't been like that antagonism baked into the game, but it, it can definitely yeah. happen and it is something to be aware of. So I'm impressed that it didn't deter you from you know trying again. So well done for that. What about kids games uh, running uh, for for young ones? Yes. So the kids games that I run, it's pretty much just me and my kids. Sometimes my husband will play. 
if we can kind of move it into the weekend instead of during the week. So there's not that social interaction between players because it's kind of just like GM and the player. But there's been a few things. One, toddlers are going to have crabby days where they just decide that nothing's going to work. And I was like, okay, well, he's having a hard time. Let's try this out because I know him playing the game makes him happy. And he's always been chill during them. Wow, that was a mistake. (laughs) We sat down and I tried setting the game up and he's just looking at me. I'm like, okay, do you want to roll the dice and see if you can get more than a two? And he just kind of threw it at the wall. He's like, no. And I maybe, I tried a couple times to get him to play and I should have just stopped because it was just not going to work that day. The other, the other thing that's happened before is, you know, we maybe get 15 minutes in and it's getting to like the middle of the story. I'm like, okay, what do you think happens next? And he's just kind of sitting there and I could tell he was kind of losing interest. I'm like, Andy, what do you want to do? And he's like, no. I'm like, what do you mean? No. (laughs) He's like, no, the cat's not going to do anything. (laughs) It's not going to work. Like, okay. And he was just very determined not to play this. And I, again, I should have just stopped. I've learned since (laughs) this was maybe back in January when I was first trying this out with him. With kids, I think it's very much about being able to judge their mood and adapting very quickly to it, which that's that's got a learning curve. You know, as kids grow, their moods and everything change. And I think I was still adapting to his toddler mode at that point. So that was kind of translating into the game as well. Yeah, I could see that for sure. This is kind of a tangent, but as far as like the chance that that is involved with a lot of dice-based TTRPGs at least... Do you find that it's harder to convince kids that a bad outcome where they didn't succeed at what they wanted to do, is is it harder to talk them through that and make them accept it? Or do they just want to keep rolling the dice until they get what they want? You know, I, I guess I'm just, you know, I'm wondering kind of how that works. Yeah, it depends a little bit. If you just kind of tell them, oh, no, that didn't work, they're going to get a little disappointed I can tell when my husband's in the game, sometimes he'll roll it and it'll be like, oh, that didn't work. And then he's like, no, I want to try again. But if you can go like, oh, no, you ran at it and you swung your sword, but then you slipped in a mist and you fell into a puddle and everything went splash. And then he's kind of laughing about it. So it's kind of putting a different spin on it. Mm -hmm. And he's a little more willing to accept it then if it's, got kind of a story attached to it in terms of rolling or like drawing a card out to see if you passed or not it's sometimes a little hard because he's very keen or very uh he very much wants to just roll the dice and say i did it right away and sometimes you're like no no let's see what it is okay let's count the dots on the dice or is it a smiley face card or a sad face card (laughs) and try and get him to actually anal- like look at it and analyze it and respond. That took a while to teach him to stop, look at it, and then make a judgment instead of just get excited about it and say I won. <laughs> so that, that's definitely a factor. I, I, can, I can definitely see that too. Yeah, interesting. Now moving to the good stuff, what about your favorite moments 
as a DM or a GM? What have been some of your favorite moments of improv or combat or role playing from games that you've run? And you know what what kind of lessons can people learn from the good things that have happened in your games? So from the adult game, that first one that I ran actually has one of my favorite moments. This was a while before the crash and burn moment, <laughs> but they had all gotten pulled into this dream realm. They defeated the monster and then woke up. And there's this big party going on and everyone's celebrating. And then they start to notice things are a little weird. And they realize that they're still in the dream realm, that they never woke up out of it. And it's this loop. And every time that they kill the monster, unless they do it in a specific way, they're going to go back through it. So they started panicking. <laughs> the cleric's like, well, I know plane shift, so I can start plane shifting people out, but I, I can't do everyone all at once. So a couple of people jump in. I want to plane shift out first. I want to plane shift out first. So they start jumping out. So half the party is out. And then the barbarian in the group goes, I want to make a perception check and roll the nat 20. And I'm like, okay, you notice a shadow going down the alleyway or like a tentacle or something. They're like, I'm going to run after it and smack it. And so they activated the fight, but half the group is outside the dream realm and half is in, and it's a big fight. So it's like, okay, we're going to stall for like five minutes, get to the end of the session, and then I got to figure out what's going on next week. <laughs> it's always nice when they throw these curveballs at the very end because you're like, okay, good. I have time to decide what to do here. Yes. <laughs> Right. I got time to plan. I still ended the session maybe 15 minutes earlier than normal, but it was within the, you know, it was within that time range. I'm like, okay, what am I going to do now? So I set it up to where the ones on the outside had to defend the still sleeping people from an attack. And if they got stabbed or something, they would get hurt in the dream realm and not be able to heal from it. And then the people in the dream realm had to fight the monster. So we had this really cool back and forth going on between the two of them where the fight's going on. We pause at like a really cliffhanger kind of moment and jump to the other ones. And they're like, okay, well, as you're fighting this, you suddenly get a stabbing feeling in your side or you're thrown to the ground and feel like your head is aching or something. And it got really intense and it was a lot of fun. And they said they had a lot of fun going with that back and forth. My lesson from that, I guess, is when a wild situation like that happens, let it happen. Don't say, oh, we're going to force everyone out of the dream realm or the fight's not going to happen or something like that. If you get a little creative and kind of work at it, you can end up getting something way better than you initially planned. Because I, I was just like, oh, well, they have to get this special sword and stab the monster in the heart. This was way better with them going back and forth and having different goals and having to get really creative on how to handle the situation. Yeah, I love that Groundhog Day effect. I haven't put my players through anything like that yet, but you've given me ideas. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. When they started realizing they could affect the dream world very slightly it started getting pretty fun with the cycling through. So, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I like yeah. that. And now, a word from How Not to DM's sponsors. 
Spawn of Chaos is a dark fantasy Dungeons & Dragons actual play show featuring professional actors, immersive visual effects and sound design, and an original music score. If you like shows like Critical Role or Dimension 20, you'll definitely want to tune in. Each episode is about 90 minutes long, making it easy to start listening. Become part of the growing community by searching Spawn of Chaos on YouTube or visiting their website at chaosawaits.com. Now, let's return to our show. All right, so let's transition now to TTRPG Kids, the blog that you started and have been running for a while. So tell us what is kind of the main goal or vision you have for this blog when you started it. So when I first started TTRPG Kids, I wanted it to be a one-stop shop resource for parents, teachers, babysitters, anyone wanting to introduce tabletop RPGs to kids and maybe not knowing how, or parents who had already started introducing games to their kids but wanted to try out some different ones or maybe needed a little bit of help. I had seen a lot of posts on Twitter especially asking, how do I get my kids involved? And then whole bunch of people would jump on and start recommending games but it was all over the place and the you know some of the games being recommended were actually for teens when they're asking for games for a six-year-old or a lot of people maybe saying they started their kid on D&D at a certain age but it wasn't clicking so they kind of gave up on it and then a lot of other people coming on that comment oh but there's also this TTRPG that this person made you should try that out so I just started consolidating or like making a record of all of those recommendations and then I put them into a list and that list is like 180 games long now and it's sorted by estimated age. So there's like all ages, five and below, five to seven, something like that. So that way it's this one stop kind of, if anybody asks for a recommendation, I can reference to that. And that was how it kind of started. And then I'm like, well, I can do reviews of those games while I'm playing them with my kid because I wanted to play with them anyway and started getting into figuring out all the learning curves associated with that. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll post an article about that. And it just kind of grew into here's a whole bunch of resources and hopefully some knowledge to help people kick off the process of starting TTRPGs with kids as young as two. That's so cool. I love that idea. And you you mentioned that you see posts all the time or you were seeing posts all the time about it. And and it's something that I definitely see at least, you know, every few weeks or so people are asking for recommendations for certain age groups or people with, you know, different ability levels or whatever. And so it's really, a, it's it's awesome that you've created a place for people to look for for stuff like this because, I don't know. Do, have you found anything else like this yet? You know, I, I feel like this is kind of the, the, the go-to place now. Yeah. I had seen a couple blogs where people were talking about their experience playing with their kids, or they would recommend a couple games within the article at most, maybe like five, but nothing where the entire blog was devoted to just like indie tabletop RPGs. Like I cover Dungeons and Dragons too, but for the most right. part, it's indie games because there's so much variety there. 
I, I wanted to make sure I was doing reviews similar to a lot of the big adult game-focused uh, tabletop RPG blogs, but doing it from the perspective of, you know, playing with kids. And I hadn't really seen that a whole lot. I'd see maybe a special article that they would post once in a while about, oh, we played this game with an eight-year-old, and they would go through the review, but nothing where the entire blog was just devoted to reviews of kids' games. Yeah, yeah. I love it. So you mentioned a, a lot of different groups there who are kind of looking for this, right? Babysitters, that's genius. I wish as a babysitter when I was a, you know, a teen that I would have thought about doing games like this. Schools and daycare groups and everything like that. So what are some of the, the different groups you've seen asking around or who, who have come to you for advice? And then what are they trying to use these games to accomplish? You know, what are some of the cool things that people are doing with games uh, to help kids? The most common one is parents. And a lot of times they want to try and keep their kids entertained or tap into that bonding experience that comes with it. Sometimes it's for developing social skills and other times it's for getting into kind of math skills. So there's some like side learning going on. The next group that comes in is probably teachers is the next one that I've seen the most. I've had, I just this past week, a, I think it was K through five teacher and a second grade teacher comment on something or send me a message asking about how to incorporate the games into the class. And I'm also working with a preschool right now. The games that I write, I'm actually tailoring it to their curriculum so they can use it in their weekly classes to enforce the lessons that they're teaching oh man that's really cool yeah it's it's been really fun getting that feedback too because when the kids connect with it and the teacher lets me know i'm like yes <laughs> nailed it <laughs> so uh it's, it's very motivational seeing that but teachers have been using it a lot and i think it's really good to incorporate that into playtime especially with like pre-K and sort of flip some of those lessons in without getting too preachy about it, I guess. Like I try and be a, a little subtle with it in the games. I can't always mm -hmm. be because some of the topics are like, don't hit when you get angry and things like that. So I do my best, but right. you know, it's good lessons to incorporate. And I think a lot of teachers are looking at fun ways to bring that to the kids in their classroom. One, because it helps the kids actually engage with the material. But two, I think it helps the teachers with maybe getting like a little bit of a mental break or having something fun for them to do. Because I know with my kid, when I play games with him, it's a break for me in the middle of the day as well. You know, you go through doing all the little educational bits and handling, you know, bathroom breaks and making lunches and things and then it's like okay we're gonna take 30 minutes and play the game and it's nice for me so I imagine for a, a teacher it would be too to have you know 75 percent of your classroom sit down and engage with this game that you're playing with them so that's the the second biggest group I've seen and then after that there's been kind of um you know people babysitting their cousins or you know the neighbor's kids and things like that kind of seems to be the next biggest group so, for a lot of the same reasons. <laughs> so what's the history behind the project? You know, where did the idea come from? You kind of talked about this a little bit, but uh, yeah, where did the idea come from? How did you get started, you know, getting the website off the ground and that kind of thing? 
it actually started because with COVID, I ended up quitting my job this past January because it was a little hard doing work from home. I was trying to work like 60 hours a week from home while having a toddler. So I was, I was a crash test engineer. <laughs> I quit that. So it's just my husband working right now. He's also an engineer trying to work 60 hours a week. So trying to find that balance. I was doing the stay-at-home mom bit. And after a couple months, I'm like, I need something to do. <laughs> so I had started seeing this need on Twitter for advice on tabletop games with kids. I had already started playing them with my son for a while and sort of started building this bank of lessons learned up. Somebody had suggested, um, I forget who at this point, it was kind of a random comment. Like, I wish there was a place where all this information could be stored. And I'm like, engineer brain kind of kicked in and started planning out how to make this, you know, massive blog plan. And it just, you know, thought about it for a couple weeks and then wrote it all down and was like, okay, well, let's make this. So started putting together the alternative Twitter account, started getting Discord channel set up, got the website going, and just kind of went from there. So it's been slow building, but it's it sounds like helping some people, so I'm, I'm happy about it. <laughs> You uh, said earlier that you have designed a couple of your own games, so some for this preschool you've been working with and others for just playing with your son. So what are some of the games you have designed specifically for kids? So the main one is Story Guider. And this is the one that I typically use for playing with my son. The base version of it is free. It's basically just a template of come up with a topic, a main character, and some challenges. But we don't I don't really do fights in mine. They're like skill challenges and things. So help the astronaut fly the spaceship by sticking your arms out and flying around like an airplane. So it kind of works on the gross motor skills or, you know, color in the coloring page, color the apple red, color the banana yellow things like that. So it's practicing colors and tapping into those core skills. So that's the one that I'm also outfitting towards the pre-K program. And that is a 25 week curriculum. So it's going to be 25 games and I already put a few out there. So there's quite a few story guider games already published and there will be quite a few more by, I think, March of next year, I have as my target for having the full curriculum completed. So one game per week, I'm doing some holiday specials, which I just released the Halloween one. So that was fun. So that's, that's the main one. The other one that I have is called Magical Mayhem in a Mug. And it is a way of teaching probability without actually using numbers. So you have tokens to represent your elemental magic and throughout the game you earn tokens and can choose which piece of elemental magic you want to include and the more like fire ones that you put in the more likely it is you're going to draw multiple fire tokens so you can do a bigger fire spell so it started slipping in teaching probability and some really basic math skills without actually having numbers on it so they only have to be able to count to maybe three 
to say, I have three fire tokens. Right. Or, you know, I have two fire tokens and one of them is colored in from this challenge I completed. So that counts as a double. So we've got one, two, three. So now they're adding one and two without actually doing like quote unquote math. <laughs> so trying to slip in some of those early math skills, but then it also works as a really good one shot for adult games. It's just very rules light. I do have a system for combat in that one. It's just kind of a quick, easy jump in sort of game. So that one, I just have the first part published. I'm putting the pre-made adventures on hold until I finish the story getter curriculum for the pre preschool. And then I was going to start publishing some pre-made adventures for Magical Mayhem in a Bug. Do you feel like that's probably the most interesting project you've worked on, or the most fun project you've worked on as part of the blog? Or is there something else that comes to mind? I've really been enjoying doing the games, writing my own. Just from a creativity standpoint, and I do illustrations, so it gives me an opportunity to draw on things. And I test them out on my kid, which is kind of fun, especially if he likes it. It's kind of, you know, like try the adventure out a couple times until it gets to where he he really likes the pacing and everything. So it's been fun kind of messing around with him on that. Other than that, with the blog, doing the game reviews, of course, is fun because I get to play the games for that and then sort of share it. And I'm helping boost indie creators, which is a lot of the purpose of the blog as well. And then I do interviews for my blog and we'll transcribe them into an article. That's been a lot of fun. Like I've met so many interesting people. I'm sure you know from running your interviews, but it's a lot of fun getting to talk to people who you've chatted with on, you know, Twitter or Facebook or something. To actually get down get to sit down and talk to them and find out, you know, cool new little bits and pieces of information and see that enthusiasm and get into sort of their passion projects. So that's been a very rewarding part as well. You nailed it. You know, that's exactly how I feel about getting to do this too, is getting to see lots of different little slices of this weird, wonderful community we've got, you know. As far as the good and the bad of running the blog, what have been some of the hard things about it that have been difficult or maybe a little bit discouraging? And then what have been the most rewarding parts about running the blog for you? Hard parts. One is self-advertising. <laughs> so the imposter syndrome definitely kicks in, and I have a bit of a hard time saying, hey, check out my stuff. So that's a little difficult. But then also when I'm like, hey, check out my stuff, and somebody puts a stinker comment on it, <laughs> it's kind of like, oh, man. So I don't see that a whole lot on Twitter, but I've seen it on Reddit, and I was like, okay, well, we're going to change how we're handling the Reddit a little bit. So, like, I've gotten some stinker comments, and I was like, oh, man. And it was a little bit of a, a enthusiasm punch, and I, I recovered. But at the same time, I wasn't used to that because I had never tried to self-promote anything before. And when, like, the first couple times it happened, I'm like, what's going on? And my husband's like, no, that's just the internet. Just, you know, it's going to be okay. And it was okay. A little bit of a learning curve and needed to adjust how I was handling certain platforms. So maybe learning to handle social media was kind of the hard part. 
It is. It's it's weird as a creator, like you, it, as part of my job, like I'd never done anything like this where I make something and I put it out there for everyone to look at and to comment on until I started the show, right? It's not something you ever encounter until you start creating something and putting it in front of everyone's eyes and letting them say whatever they think of it. And so it, it can be discouraging, certainly, but I'm glad you have bounced back from that. Yeah, it, it took me like a day or so. And then I was like, I'm okay with it now. But yeah, the first couple times I was like, what? <laughs> like, it's a blog about playing games with kids. What's the problem? <laughs> so, And then I guess the good parts have been, there was one person went through and read every single one of my articles and then put a comment on them about how it was helped them or they really liked the stance I was taking or how they were going to start playing the games with their kids. And I was like, whoa. So it was like the total opposite of the bad part. <laughs> like this was somebody commenting that it was helping them or like the preschool teacher that's using the games in, the, in their class. They message me sometimes with information about, you know, this. we tried this out and this one kid who was having a hard time connecting came to me after class and was asking if we could try playing the game again and really got into it and was enthusiastic about it and connecting over it. I was just like, okay, I'm helping somebody. This is pretty sweet. And it was definitely, you know, rode that mood boost for a while. So those are always nice is getting the, the good comments and the positive feedback and knowing that somebody's actually using it and it's helping them out. What are some of your favorite kid geared TTRPGs that you've reviewed or played through thus far? And you could do like a couple per age group if it's hard to kind of decide. I am going to have to go with the first official, like actual TTRPG that wasn't just me telling stories to my kid that we played was No Mice, No Meowsters. You basically play as a chaotic little cat Okay. that is put in some kind of situation and you have to mess with the humans. So that was the first one that I introduced to my son beyond just interactive story time where I'm asking him questions about the character and things like that. He loved it and wanted to play it over and over and over again and was just kind of had his cat torturing this little old lady cat sitter at one point, tearing her curtains up and he's running around the house and acting all wild. And it was so much fun doing that with him. I would definitely have to recommend. And then he's also really liked, it was the fam fantasy RPG games, like fairies of the Mistglade. They took the D and D rules and spells and classes and parsed it down enough to where like a two or three-year-old can play it. And then they also have levels up. So that way, if you have a three-year-old and a six-year-old, there's a rule set for the three-year-old, but then the six-year-old can take the more advanced rule set that's got a few more things added. And I was like really impressed with the potential for progression into regular D&D, but using this as a springboard to start out whatever age your kids are. And my son loves playing them. They come with little puzzles and coloring sheets, and they all rhyme. So it, it definitely keeps his interest for the entire time he's playing. So that, that would probably be my second one that I would recommend. If someone wants to get involved with the blog or submit a game 
or that kind of thing. What's the best process for that? You can contact me on Twitter on the at TTRPG Kids account. Just you know, send me a message or if you use hashtag TTRPG Kids, I check it a couple times a day and we'll probably see your post. And I usually try and like like or comment or retweet, you know, as long as it's relevant and it's not just, you know, somebody putting a whole bunch of hashtags on. There's also I have a Facebook group and a Discord chat if people find that more kind of what they want to do. Otherwise, you can email me at hello at ttrpgkids.com. And, you know, you can contact me for advice if you want me to review your game or book or do an interview or something. I'm totally up for suggestions. Happy to see some collaborations. All right. I'll be sure to grab all those relevant links and put them in the show notes so that if anyone's interested, they can jump on and start chatting with people or uh, get in touch with you. To kind of uh, wrap things up, what are some of your words of wisdom and encouragement to GMs, DMs out there, and also to parents or educators? I'm going to say I've got the same advice for both because I very much feel that, especially when playing tabletop RPGs, which are a game, you tap into the inner kid in everybody. So when your kids or your players come up with wild, off-the-wall ideas, generally try and let it happen. There was the the situation where my players split the party and then went after the monster and activated that fight. We ended up with such a cool situation. There's been other times where my son, I gave him free reign to start creating the scenario. He ended up going on an underwater hide-and-seek game with the sea monster. That was one of the best games that we played. (laughs) He's You get that creativity from your players, I think, in both cases. And if you really encourage it, it becomes more of a collaborative game. It's not just you coming up with all the ideas. You do have to do some improv, but it takes off a lot of the pressure for planning as well because you can sort of train your players or your kids to starting to come up with some of the story on their own. And then they also feel like they're in control. And I think that's really important for kids to feel like they have some control within the story as well. Let that creativity sort of flow in both cases. And don't just like let it happen, kind of encourage it, ask questions about what they think should happen. I love that advice. It is advice that took me a while to learn myself. But after I kind of learned that lesson i feel like my game has gotten 10 times more engaging and interesting for the people i play with because i'm willing to go with the shenanigans they create or the things they think up that i have not even considered that will you know totally solve the problems and scenarios i throw at them so but yeah it's it's so much fun to just see what happens when everyone is is you know uh, imagining together so awesome advice Okay, are there any other projects you're working on or anything else to plug here? There's the TTRPG Kids blog. There's Story Guider. There's Magical Mayhem in a Mug. I do some interviews here and there, always up for doing charity games. And let me know if you have any questions. Hopefully I can help you out. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on, Steph. It's been a ton of fun to chat with you. And as a new parent, I'm really excited to kind of get to dig into this stuff in the near future. So I know that there's tons of parents out there that really appreciate uh, the work that you've been putting in. And uh, I'm really excited to be one of them. 
Yeah. And thank you for having me on here. It's been great chatting with you. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about the stuff I'm working on. That's always fun. Thanks for listening to How Not to DM. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to share it with your friends and family at your table. And if you have a spare second or two, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, or Podchaser. Word of mouth is the most powerful of advertisers, and I appreciate you. If you're looking for minis, dice, or new games and supplements, head on over to my link tree and check out my affiliate links for Hero Forge, Adventure Dice, DMs Guild, and DriveThruRPG. The ad music is from Arcane Anthem's library of free TTRPG tunes. The intro and outro music is by my good friend Torin, aka Mr. Tape. And, until next time, roll some nat 20s for me.